0: As Sam mentioned, uh we're going to be talking about the church mission and vision. And um <clears throat> it's a bit of a special Sabbath because uh usually we go through a sermon series or a topic um, that covers uh maybe a relevant message, but uh oftentimes uh, it's easy to get in the habit of running church without really talking about the purpose of why we're doing what we're doing. What's our specific mission as the Melbourne City Adventist Church? And um, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at a few things in the Bible um, when it comes to some examples of corporate vision, of personalized vision, and what that means for us today. And so... Before we begin, um, I'll just invite you to join me for a word of prayer, and uh, we'll open God's word. Father in heaven, uh, we come before you today, and uh, we thank you for a day that we can rest in you, a day that we can detach from the busyness of life, a day that we can detach from the stresses of work, um, and that we can just connect with you and be ministered to by your spirit. And Father, this morning as we... Um, really explore your word and see how you've given vision to groups of people and even individuals. Uh, I just want to pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would uh, guide our church as we discover and uh, explore uh, the vision for the Melbourne City Adventist Church. And we also ask that you would speak to us personally about what you would have us do um, for you. And so we pray that you would just bless this time. We pray in your name. Amen. So, Jinha's sister, uh, graduated from, uh, Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, uh, back in 2000, I wanna say 2012. <clears throat> and, uh, when we went to go visit her or, uh, go support her in her graduation, I was walking through the halls of the building and the Bloomberg School of Public Health has this, uh, mission or vision statement that's in huge letters on the wall and here's how it goes. It says, protecting health, saving lives, millions at a time. And uh, when I first read the, the mission statement, I kind of thought uh, the millions at a time was an afterthought. It was like someone came in and kind of like scribbled that in later because like, oh, it'd be cool. But uh, I actually realized this is something that they spent a lot of time thinking through and, and basically discussed. We want our school of public health to be research based that literally changes the world. If you go to the Bloomberg School of Public Health and look at why they chose this mission statement, you'll find that there are individuals like Alfred Summer, who in his research proved that uh, vitamin A deficiency dramatically increased childhood mortality and morbidity from infectious disease. So with a four-cent dose of vitamin A, he found that you can not only prevent and cure eye disease, but you can reduce childhood um, death by 34%. And so because of his work, the World Health Organization and UNICEF uh, UNICEF doles out 400 uh, million vitamin A supplements every single year. And because of this man's research, there are literally hundreds of thousands of children whose lives are saved every single year. Then there's another individual by the name of uh, D.A. Henderson, a former dean of the Bloomberg School of Public Health, he led a team of over 100,000 people to eliminate smallpox, smallpox globally. Now, If you think about this, there's one individual who said, here's a major problem that we face in the world, let's try and eliminate this. So the school put together this team, put together funding and research, and lo and behold today, smallpox is not something that we have to worry about. The School also led research that proved that circumcision lowers the risk and spread of of HIV and um, in Australia especially that idea of circumcision is a bit of a uh, it 's a touchy one but um, when you uh, when you actually look at medical research it 's actually amazing the uh, the benefits that circumcision has so today we 're going to be talking about vision. I remember reading this vision and thinking that's pretty cool. Save lives millions at a time. And then I read, and from this, I found out that the school actively puts uh, resources and research into fulfilling this vision, and it truly, um, I think, is very inspiring. So today, we're going to talk about God's vision. There are examples in the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, where God gives corporate vision, And there are also times where God gives individuals uh, personalized vision. So I want to talk about both of those things. So in an example of corporate vision, we're going to gain an understanding of what vision looks like. We're going to see an example, and we're going to gain an understanding. So the first example that I want to look at is the example of Abraham and his family. If you have your white Bibles, I'll invite you to turn with me, or if you have your phones and I... Invite you to use your devices to look up scripture together. Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 7. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 7. For those of you who have the White Bibles, it's page 11. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 7. So while you're turning there, we're gonna do something a little bit different today where Jinha and I both will be preaching and uh, I'm gonna preach a section and once I'm done, we'll pass the uh, time off to Jinha and um, we'll explain a little bit more about that in a, min- in a minute. So Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 to 7. <clears throat> I'm gonna look through verse 1. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. If you look from if you skip down to verses six and seven, it says Abram traveled through uh, the land as far as Shechem. There he set up a camp beside the oak of Moreh, and at that time the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, "I will give this land to you and your descendants." And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. So God gives Abram and his family this corporate vision. And the vision is simply twofold. Have children, occupy this land. And that's like a very unique, um, mission to give to somebody. And here's Abram, he's at home, he's in the comforts of his, uh, of his father's house, and he thinks, here's this strange Uh, voice the strange god that comes to me and says abram this is what i want you to do and he simply gathers his family he says okay i'm gonna go and he basically sets out on this journey and if you read through the story of abram Um, the major themes of Abraham's life, and his name changes to Abraham, the major themes of Abraham's life revolve around this very specific vision. And so I want to go to the latter part of his life and see how this one direction really influences even the minute details or the minute decisions that he that he makes. So Genesis chapter 24, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 8. Genesis 24, verses 1 to 8. This is page 19 for those of you who have the white Bibles. So in Genesis 24, Abraham is now old. And he has his his long-awaited son. And uh, Isaac is at the age of marriage. And so now comes that complex uh, question, who is his son going to marry? And so Abraham gathers his servants. And he gives his servant some very specific instructions. So verse 2, uh, chapter 24, verse 2. One day Abraham said to his oldest servant, the man in charge of his household, Take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. Swear by the Lord God of heaven and earth that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. And so Abraham gives this very specific instruction to his servant. And he says, this is where I want you to go find a wife for my son. Now, the servant kind of thinks to himself and he says, hey, Abraham, so let's say... Uh, there's a suitable bride For your son Isaac But she has no idea who I am She has no idea who Isaac is What happens if she says Yeah I'm not really comfortable leaving my Own country and my family And going to a strange place If that's the case can I then bring Isaac to meet her because If she sees how great of a person he is Maybe she will leave her house Right? That makes total logical sense Let's look at verse 6 No, Abraham responded, be careful never to take my son there. For the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and my native land, solemnly promised to give this land to my descendants. He will send his angel ahead of you, and he will see to it that you find a wife there for my son. So isn't that strange? Abraham says you are not allowed to take Isaac with you to meet this woman. Abraham knows if there's one thing that will detract my son and my family from fulfilling the vision and the mission that God has given them, it's a relationship. And he's very, very practical because he knows the heart is going to, there's something very powerful about uh, a heart connecting with another heart. And so Abraham says, swear an oath to me you're not going to do this. And his servant says, okay. Now Abraham realizes There's a chance that something can detract this mission, this vision that God has given to me. And so I'm going to be very strict about these rules. And so the servant makes an oath and then the rest of the story goes, he prays, he meets a woman named Rebecca, and she comes back with him to meet Isaac. And that family occupies that land and becomes a great nation. Let's look at another example of corporate vision. It's found in Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20. Jesus gives his disciples a very clear vision, a corporate vision. He says, As a body of believers, as a church, this is what I want you to fulfill. The passage says, Go therefore, or excuse me, the vision was, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This specific direction given by Jesus to the disciples directed and focused everything that they would do for the rest of their lives, and it radically changed uh, the faith of the disciples, the practice of faith of the disciples. If you look at the early church, Prior to this vision, prior to this mission, race and religion were combined within Judaism because they were a nation and they were also a religion. But that was no longer the case because Jesus says, go to every nation, every people, and go teach them about the gospel. And so there would be this separation of religion and race. This one vision would be, also separate religion and politics because not only were they a race, not only were they a a nation, they were also a political power. This vision changed the way that the Jews worshipped. The followers of God went from centralized worship in the temple that excluded non-Jews to decentralized communion in individual homes that spread throughout the world. So this new vision transformed the Jewish faith. It transformed the church. So the question for today is, what is the vision of the Melbourne City Adventist Church? What is it that God wants our church to be and do? So we've talked about the importance of discovering corporate vision. I also want to talk about the importance of discovering our personal vision. God gives individuals vision. He gives individuals different gifts and abilities and those specific gifts and abilities contribute to the overall corporate vision. There's a passage in Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm just going to put the verses up here. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. And it talks about the different um, skills that are given to the church. In other words, God gives individuals specialized gifts um, that only that individual can do. And so if you look around the room today... We've got different people, different personalities, different skill sets. And Ephesians 4 is talking about how those different skill sets work together for a common goal. So verses eleven and twelve says, So Christ gave the apostles, the prophet, excuse me, So Christ gave Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. So different skills are mentioned. Thank you, Levi. I'll make sure and pass that back to you afterwards. If you look at verse 13, it says, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So parts of the church, the individual members of the church, make up the whole picture of Christ. You know, when we usually think of church, we usually think of church as a place. But here in Ephesians, it says, the church is a people that represent a person. The church is a people that represent a person more than it is a place. So the church is not a place you go to. The church is a group of people that make up a picture of Christ so that if there are people who are outside the church, who come into the church and they want to know what is God like, by being exposed to the church, by being exposed to different individuals, they gain a picture of what Jesus is like. So I want to say it's so important that you are here in this place. There's something in your personal experience that There's some other person coming here who is seeking and searching, and as they come in contact with you, it's your personal experience that teaches them about an eternal reality that could completely change and transform their lives. It's so important that you individually and personally are here. When you are not here, that piece of God is missing in this body of believers. Verses 15 and 16 continues on. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. We want our church to be a place that cultivates your personal spiritual growth. A place where you can see your specific skills Contribute to the overall body See You may think that You don't matter And it's like Ah do I really need to go to church It's not that big of a deal But I want to stress From this passage It makes a difference When you are here And we hope that As we work through the vision And the goals of our specific church You can learn You can grow And develop And as a body of believers We can show the fullness of Christ You know uh, as you know, uh, over the last maybe seven or eight months, I've had braces. And, um, you know, I never knew what one tooth, what effect one tooth can have on my whole body. And I would think, oh, that one little tooth right there, not that big of a deal. But as soon as you strap a bracket to it and then you twist it, oh, man, when that one tooth doesn't feel right, the whole day is just different. Every time I chew, every time I eat food, every time I try to do something, that one tooth is like yelling, I'm in pain. <laughs> and uh, I just kind of think to myself, "Oh, well, this stinks. But then again, like, you know, that pain is good. It'll straighten out and then it'll be good. <laughs> so every little bit of the body makes a big difference. So here's a question. We've talked about corporate vision. We've talked about personal vision. How do we make vision work how do we implement vision in the Bible there's a story in Genesis chapter 11 and I'll invite you to turn your Bibles there Genesis chapter 11 it's a story of the Tower of Babel and there's this example there's this great example of a mission a goal and a vision that's been implemented effectively and it's so effective that it catches the attention of God himself This is a vision that has not been uh, set out by God or shared by God, but it's a vision that's so effective where God himself says, I wonder what they're doing. So to give some context to the story, in Genesis chapter 9, we have the story of the flood. And so there's this um, worldwide flood that takes place, and humanity remembers the flood. And in chapter 11, Babel is response to the flood. And so if you look at verse 4, Genesis chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse 4. The citizens, or I guess the dwellers of um, Babel, then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. See, the... the Those who dwelt in the city of Babel made this decision. This city is a statement against God. Let's make a name for ourselves, as opposed to there are many times in the Bible where God says, Let me make a name for you, or um, take my name upon yourself. And here they say, We're going to make a name for ourselves. Let's create our own security outside of God. If there's ever another flood, we're going to build a tower that's going to keep us safe. If you look at verse 6, notice how God responds. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. It's such an incredible statement where God himself looks at the potential of humanity and says, there's nothing that they can't do. And there are two elements that make this possible. One, the people who lived in Babel were united. They had a common purpose. They were committed to a common goal. Second, they had clear communication. They all spoke one language. So with those two things combined, makes the potential of what people can accomplish unlimited. Well, God knows that something, um, uh, God knows this needs to be stopped, and so he changes, or he confuses the language of the people, the communication stops, and the work stops as well. Now, fast forward a few thousand years. Pentecost. If you have your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. Acts chapter 2, and we're going to look at page 875. In the story of Pentecost, the story of Pentecost takes place right after Jesus ascends back to heaven. The disciples are probably feeling very lonely. They're wondering, What do we do as a body of believers to fulfill the mission and the vision that God has given to us? And notice what takes place. Acts chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 1. It says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Now, if you look at the original language, not only does it communicate that they're together in one place, it also communicates they're united. If you look at the lives of the disciples throughout the Gospels, they're always arguing and bickering with each other. There's a lot of division. They're always wondering, who's the greatest? But here in Acts chapter 2, we find they're finally together. They finally achieve unity. They have a clear vision. If we keep reading, verse 2. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the, as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. And so the Holy Spirit comes down, and the disciples are given the ability to communicate in different languages. And this basically God creates an effective channel of communication between the disciples and the rest of the world. If you look at verse 41, we'll see the results of what happens. The disciples are united. They're together. They have a clear vision, and they have clear communication. And if you look at verse 41, it says, Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. So within the example of Babel, God changes the language. He disrupts communication, and the people disperse. In Pentecost, the the disciples practice unity. God gives the disciples the ability to communicate clearly, and the church grows. Pentecost is Babel in reverse. And God knows that people who are directly, excuse me, Pentecost is Babel in reverse. In the example of Babel, God knows, here are people who are directly opposed to him, and the potential is limitless. And so here's the question, what could 12 spirit-filled believers who practiced unity do for him? And if you look at the world today, Christianity is the largest religion in the world. Almost one-third of the world's population is Christian. So that brings us to the Melbourne City Adventist Church. If 12 people filled with the Spirit of God who were committed to a common goal, who Had the ability to communicate clearly, could turn the world upside down. What could this church here, what could this room full of people do if we were united with a common goal and a common vision? If we practiced clear and consistent communication, what could God do with this church? Jinha is going to share about where we've come from and where we are today. And as we move into the time of discussion, We're going to talk about where do we as a church want to go from today moving forward. What do we want our church to look like in three to five years? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite Jinha to come and share about the past and present of our church so you get context in terms of where our church has come from so that we can discuss where we're headed.
1: Good morning. Ah, it's been a long week. Joshua's got a cold and uh, he's very, very grumpy. Um, so I'm very excited to share with you kind of, for those of you especially who haven't been here with us since the beginning, um, you might not know kind of our history. And so I'm very excited to be able to share with you just a little bit of the highlights of kind of where we've come from. So... In 2012, so I was telling Roy that it's quite, we didn't plan it this way, but it's actually our six-year anniversary that we moved here, because we came, well, by, by a few days, but um, on the 1st of August, 2012, Roy and I landed in Melbourne Airport, it was my first time in Australia, um, I had no idea what to expect, and um, basically we were hired to plant a new church here in the city of Melbourne. And there was a small group of uh, about three to four people who um, were interested in the kind of the same idea. And basically, it was, in the very beginning, it was just Sam and Michael um, who was part of that group. And at first, we um, had small groups at our place. And I don't know if you know this, but we used to live in the city. Before we um, had the kids, we, we used to live right next to Flagstaff Gardens. And so we used to have small groups there. Um, and Galen and Janelle and James um, started coming to that small groups. And so we became then, I think, seven, if I count correctly. Um, and in August 2013, so a year after we had arrived, we, um, after much dialogue and discussion, we finally decided to adopt the name Melbourne City Adventist Church. Um, And we came up with the following, and Roy has handed out to you the papers. You can follow along there, or you can look on the screen. Um, But at that time, this was the vision. At that time, there, there we go back. At that time, in 2013, the vision was to plant an inner urban Adventist church which interprets, applies, and shares the beliefs and values of a Seventh-day Adventist church in a manner which is relevant to young professionals living and or working in the city. We want to provide opportunities for these individuals to connect with Jesus and with each other. And the vision statement was to create a safe place where individuals can explore a Christ-centered worldview. And you might have heard us say that quite a few times, and, and you'll see it on our banner, et cetera. And at that time, the target group was uh, what we called unchurched residents of Melbourne City, which included those who weren't used to going to church, as well as those who maybe hadn't been to church for a long time. And because at that time, we we envisioned a place that would be um, a mutual place, quote, you know, not too churchy, if that makes sense. Because we wanted to have a place where you could invite your colleagues and friends that didn't feel like a completely strange, separate universe um, for someone who has never been to church before. And so that's why we designed our church services to be very simple. We decided at that time not to have music, not to have offering, but to re- it was just welcome, prayer, sermon. And then we had the, the time of discussion so that people who... Um, were being exposed to the Christian worldview for the first time, could ask questions and could talk about things and, and share ideas um, and dialogue in that way. And so that's why the church was designed in that, in that fashion at that time. And so some of our strategies at the time to uh, work through our vision was to um, have that, t- that church service um, that had the time of response, dialogue, and fellowship. We started. We were. We were already running small groups. Um, we decided to have socials. Um, we wanted to have discussions and community and global service events that were relevant to Melbourne City. So, for example, uh, we participated in the Run Melbourne um, to raise funds for um, women facing domestic violence. And so, believe it or not, I ran 5K <laughs> at that time. That was before. Uh, I had two kids, but anyways, and so we, we did things like that. We really wanted to get involved with what the community was doing. At the time, we, we kind of envisioned having an Exploring Worldview series, um, and at the time, we actually had a vegetarian cooking cooking club. I don't know if you remember, very few of you were here at that time, but we we had Michelle teach us how to make macarons, and um, we had like a vegetarian sushi rolling class, um, so that were some of the strategies that were envisioned in 2013. So again, you know, we were envisioning having a place that um, was very user-friendly for people who were coming to church for the first time. Um, and in some place that didn't have traditions just for tradition's sake, but um, a place that was very intentional. And um, as time went by, I'll just give you some very brief highlights of some of the um, times we've had. So that was 2013 that we came up with this vision. But it wasn't until 2014, February, that we actually started weekly services. Because remember, we started with like seven people so it's not really practical to have church service with seven people so we waited until we had a little bit more so february 2014 is when we started having weekly saturday services and some of the highlights in that year were um oh and at the time when we started we actually started church service at three o'clock in the afternoon so most of you weren't here i think when we had that but three o'clock in the afternoon we used to have church service um And um, another highlight, 27th of June, James and Sam were baptized um, on that day. Also, we had our first outreach series called The Problem of Pain Why Does God Allow Suffering? If There Is a God, Why Is There So Much Pain in the World? So, we did a whole series on that. In 2015, um, Some of the highlights were that we had our first church retreat, which then became an annual thing. We also started the meetup, Bible Study for Busy Professionals. That still continues in the CBD. We started live streaming in July of 2015. And um, also in August, that's our group photo down there, in August of 2015, we hosted another outreach series called Connect, where we tried to introduce people to what it means to know Jesus, what it means to connect to each other. We also had another baptism in that um, year, uh, Luke got baptized in October 2015. And in 2015, we were very busy. We had another retreat. Um, I don't know if you remember, but we had a, a retreat where we just spent time going through the entire Book of Philippians and learning how to study the Bible in depth. And so that was kind of like a Bible study boot camp, so to speak. Um, so 2015 was, was very full, very, very busy, and it was a great year. I have very fond memories of that year. Now, 2016, we continued to grow, but it was also a time of transition. Um, For one, I had another baby, so I went on Matt's leave, and so that meant Roy was um, soloing the church for a while. We also realized by now, this church had been running for about two years, and we realized that the demographics of the church was changing. So even though we had at first started um, to plant the church with the mindset of unchurched people, the reality was that The people who were coming were people who had been to church before, um, who wanted to continue that church experience. And so we said, well, that's not a bad thing, because it's good to have that core group that uh, has a connection with God and wants to to grow that relationship. So then we decided to um, change and adapt to that new group. So we started having music um, every other week, which we still do today. And eventually we added offering um, as an act of worship, Um, and we, you know, changed some of the uh, ways that we did church discussion time, and we also had more small groups. Um, in 2016, before I had Joshua, we had, oh, there's a group picture from 2016. We, um, oh, sorry. Um, I was commissioned that year, which was very exciting for me. And so it was, there were lots of really great highlights in 2016. Also, after I went on maternity leave, um, and Roy was actually reassigned because all along since 2012, Roy and I always had multiple churches. So at one point, we had three churches uh, between the two of us, and um, which is one of the reasons why we had afternoon church here because we had morning churches that we were at separately first but in 2016 once i went a maternity leave and roy was reassigned to um, a uni ministry we all of a sudden had saturday morning free so we actually decided for for the sake of the church as well as we finally could to move church to morning so october 22nd 2016 is when we moved to the 10 15 a.m service that we have today we also had our church retreat and outreach series called The Apprentice, um, which was designed to teach us how to grow in our discipleship and, and following Jesus. So that was kind of 2016 highlights. 2017, um, uh, I came back to work in part-time capacity. We had new people join us. This was our church retreat from 2017. And I think that was the first weekend that Scarlett and, and Mervyn and um, a few others, that was their first Sabbath Um uh, or second weekend with us, actually. And um, we had a new series in 2017 called What the Bible Says About, and this was a series that Roy ran for about two months, um, exploring, um, I think it was 12 different topics on what the Bible says about, you know, um, what happens after you die, or what does the Bible say about um, what it means to be forgiven, et etc. Cetera, et cetera. Also in 2017, uh, we applied for funding, to establish what's called the center of influence. In other words, you know, long-term, we thought, okay, well, what can we what can we do to have more of a presence in the city? Because we meet in the city, but do the people outside know that we exist? And so at the time, we envisioned kind of long-term, having a permanent building in the city where we own, like, three floors, where, um, you know, Galen's heart is to have, like, a cafe on the bottom floor, um, and we were... Thinking of having a gym baroo or like a ch- some kind of children's um, program on the second floor with a group fitness class, health seminars, cooking classes, and then ultimately our church would also be on another floor. Um, you know, there are dreams of also having apartments on top of that. You know, that we could rent out. And the idea was that if we have some kind of business that's open to the public, then that serves the needs of the public. For example, health or something for children. Um, You know, that it's not only meeting the needs of the city in that tangible way, but it also is a way to get them to know us a little bit by having some cross events and programs that would, for example, have a, have a cooking class, um, a healthy cooking class and then talk about how, how important it is to have mental, emotional, spiritual health as well and hopefully invite them to another talk about that and eventually invite them to church. So there were kind of this vision that, hey, what, wouldn't it be great if we were able to do something really big, and start um, doing something now to get to that place in the future. So in March of last year, we actually applied for funding to start Jimburu. Jimburu is this program uh, for kids under five, um, and there's an increasing number of young families coming to the city, so we thought, hey, why don't we try that? Now, we were kind of waiting to hear back from the funding for from March of last year, for the rest of the year, so we were two thousand and seventeen was kind of um, another transition time while we were waiting to figure out is this going to happen, is this going to work? Um, but in March of this year, we found out that we didn 't get the funding so then all of a sudden we we um, not all of a sudden, but we kind of realized it wasn 't going to happen, but it took us until March of this year to get a final answer, and so then this year we decided, all right well, if that 's not going to happen now. Um, and, and God's closed that door, which we see as a good thing, because I don't think we would have been ready to kind of launch that whole thing right now. Um, what it then is God's vision for us? Okay? If, if we're not going to go down the path of all those businesses and all of that, what does God want us to focus on right now? So we spent a lot of time in prayer and discussion. Um, and, you know, throughout last year, we had think tanks with you discussing some of these topics as well. Um, but ultimately, we came up with um, in our leadership a proposal for a new vision statement, a new mission statement, new strategies. Because it's been five years now, and like I said, things have changed, and we have evolved as a group, and we have been praying and thinking about the direction that God wants us to go. So if you look through your handouts to you know the page that says 2018 vision statement, and you can read along with me as I share it on the screen as well. This is, oh, sorry, I forgot to share the pictures from this year. Um, I'll just fast forward some of the things. In 2018, this is the vision statement that we're proposing uh, for us. So you'll notice it's very similar, but also there are some differences. It says, um, the vision statement says, our vision is to apply and share the beliefs and values of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in a way that is relevant to the people of Melbourne City, to be a growing, loving community where everyone can develop a genuine and dynamic relationship with God. And our mission statement says, Loving God, Loving People, Exploring a Christ-Centered Worldview. And you'll notice that the target group has changed to the, pe- the people of Melbourne City. So let me just point out some of the highlighted differences. Um, in the beginning, we set out to plant a church for young professionals. But, and while many of us are young professionals, we didn't want to be exclusive to just that because, as you'll see, we've got young families, we've got um, you know, people of, of, of all ages and backgrounds, and so we wanted to be more inclusive. So we've changed that to just say the people of Melbourne City. Also, in the beginning, we wanted to plant a new church. I think we've done that now. And so instead of our vision to be to plant, our vision is to actually to apply and share and grow. Um, also we you know in 2013 as i as i stated we wanted to create a place that was very safe and non-confrontational a place that didn't pressure you too much and a place that didn't you know shove things down your throat Um, and and i hope we've created that i hope that all of you sitting here have felt um, safe and comfortable to to share your thoughts and, and share with each other but what we had noticed over the five years is that um, while we created that kind of safe place, it also, as a side effect, um, sometimes created a bit of distance. Um, because we didn't want to put um, too much pressure. Um, You know, people could come and go freely, which is great, and that's still the case. But we realized that we really wanted to emphasize now that we want to be a loving community, that we actually want to build relationships, that we want to be a place where everyone knows your name and to um, really grow in that connection with each other. And that's why we added the part about being a loving community. So we're not just, you know like a library where you can come and go and no one bothers you. We actually are a community where you can come and we care that you're here. Um, And we still won't pressure you, but we want to get to care for you. And we want um, you to be able to learn to care for each other as well. Also, we've added the part about developing a genuine and dynamic relationship with God because um, we still value the exploration of getting to know God at your own pace. And that's something that we very much value and, and respect At the same time, we want to give you the opportunity that if you want to develop your faith with God, that you have that chance. Um, So, in other words, we're being a lot more intentional about making sure that you have opportunities to study the Bible further, that you have opportunities to grow your faith journey with God in a more um, intentional, purposeful way. So our core values have changed as well, and I'm not going to go over all of them with you, but you have them in front of you so that you can read over. I'm just going to highlight um, just a couple of them. I want to highlight the idea of relevance and open and inquiring minds. I'll just kind of mush them for now. We wanted to really, um, and I hope, again, that this has, has been something you've experienced at our church. We want our church to be a place where you feel safe, to express your doubts, your fears, your questions, um, your insights without fear of judgment and without fear of um, it being considered wrong. That this is a place where you can share where you are and that you also respect other people's sharing as well. We also want this place to be relevant. In other words, we don't want you to come here week after week and wonder, okay, what did I get out of that? We want you to come here and hopefully gain something that's going to help you in your practical everyday life. So that's something that we're really hoping to continue to do. Also, um, some of the new core values that we've included this time around is discipleship, like I mentioned, that we provide opportunities for you to grow, but also outreach, that we want to be more effective at sharing um, the good news of Jesus and what he has to offer to us. So I'll let you look at that in, in, um, in your own time in a little bit. But the last thing I just wanted to highlight is that you know, in order for us to achieve this new vision and this new mission, we wanted to give you an opportunity to give us feedback and to work with us. So in a little bit, we're going to be doing the think tank where you'll give us feedback. But I wanted to share with you some of the strategies that we as a leadership team um, w- want to want to provide. And um, and hopefully this is something that is helpful. Um, for the first thing is that, This is something that Roy and I are personally working on, which is providing a customized discipleship plan for each member. And what we're working on is we want to create a discipleship matrix where there will be different topics. So, for example, if you want to learn, um, if you want resources on personal devotions, that is, you know, you want to uh, every day have, you know, five to 15 minute um, time of reflection with God. Where do you begin? What books are there? What resources are there? What online tools? And so you'll be able to click on that matrix, that category, and there will be a list of resources. Or let's say you want to know, well, how do I share my faith with my friends? There will be a category on that. Or if there's um, you know, biblical finance, how, how do I know what God's will for me is um, when it comes to m- my finances and my work? And there will be a category in that. So we're going to be working on providing that on our website so that you can um, go to that section, get the resources and learn more. We want to be able to equip and train you. Um, We want to increase our church structure and organization. Um, As I said, increase our sense of community. We're really trying to expand our children's ministry. um, And there's plans for different kinds of outreach series. We also wanted this year... um, You've noticed already that in 2017, we started the homeless ministries on Friday night at, at the ADRA, um, with the ADRA, I should say, at the Queen Victoria Markets. Um, we also started last year an outdoor fitness class. We tried having that st- as something to kind of bridge with the community. Um, so we're always kind of trying new things, and so we'll we'll continue to try those things um, this year and next year. But something different this year is that we actually want to – apply for church company status and so in 2013 when we began we we applied for group status and a group is kind of like a baby church right Um, and so uh, we've been at group status but now we're at the place where we can apply for company status, which is kind of like the next stage of the church. Um, and after the company status, you become an official full full church. And what that means is that um, we have more privileges, and we also have more organization as a church. We get more of a voice as well with um, other churches in the conference. Um, and it shows that we are becoming more committed to this church and to what we're trying to achieve. So... Um, we are going to be doing that uh, towards the end of this year, and so you'll probably uh, continue to hear from us as we talk about that. And finally, we're working on updating our logo, updating our website to reflect the changes that we're trying to make. So I know that's a lot of information, um, and I know that that's a lot of pages there, but we're going to move into the think tank shortly to um, get your feedback on all of this. You know, What do you think, and how has your experience been? Um, what ideas do you have, and what kind of um wish list do you have and you know what what is going to help you and what's going to help us as a church together achieve what God is calling us to do. So I just want to ask you to as as we sing our closing song, which is Be Thou My Vision, to pray for the reflect on what, what is the vision that God has for you personally, but also Play for reflect on the vision of this church as a whole. And as we go into our think tank, I hope you'll be able to share with us um, your feedback and your ideas. I'm just going to ask the hymn team to come back up for our closing song.